You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. It seems that you, we always meet like this, Kevin McKinnon. You're windswept and interesting. I'm shit boring and just sitting around. So where are we finding you now? Where are you in the world, my man? I am in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. I'm uh, at a hotel across the road from the Daytona International Speedway, getting ready to announce at the race this weekend. And uh, this Clash Daytona is what things are called now. So um, gearing up for uh, for that event this weekend, which I know we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah, we are. We'll get to the clash. I, I like it. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, how's the trip? How's the trip down there, buddy? <laughs> oh, it was it was it was terrible. I I had a run in with uh, one of the one of the Air Canada people who wouldn't let me take my carry on bag, and then. Um, we taxi out, um, and the, the pilot comes on and says, yeah, the left engine's not working, so we're heading back. And um, so that, nice. that's a big delay. And uh, Anyway, I made it down here, So, and, and the last thing I want to do is whinge and moan and complain and sound like Phil Rockna. So <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair call. Um, isn't it, though, like anyone who thinks that – you know, announcing and, you know, calling events and stuff is glamorous, do it for five minutes and then it just becomes the tedium of travel is massive, isn't it? I mean, I can, I did it for a decade and it's just plane, hotel, what event are we at? You know, what are we doing? Who's the main sponsor? Who's the racing press conference? And, and it's a, it's a busy thing, isn't it? You, you it's not glamorous. Oh, it's it definitely not glamorous. It is, you know, I, I, the last thing I want to do is is sound like I am whinging and, and complaining. Um, you know, it's tons of fun. Uh, but yes, it definitely is not glamorous. No. Um, and yeah, travel travel right now is yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a challenge with um, you know having to organize PCR or PCR tests and antigen tests and uh, getting all that stuff coordinated. And um, you know, my wife's a public health nurse and. And she sort of said, look, you can't come home with COVID, like uh, with the new variant that's kicking around now, like everyone um, who's been around you needs to quarantine for 14 days. And that's me. And I don't get to work. And so anyway, I've the, <laughs> I have to be really careful, yes. um, as does everybody. Right. So what's uh, again, I don't want to complain. The, well, I love the, the, the new variant, the Omicron. It sounds like a freaking transformer. It's good. Um uh what tell me though florida's kind of in my head florida's the wild west it's like a delicious swampy wild west because i've not been down there uh how and and it's run by a guy who has let's say he's questionable with some of the decisions that he's making i'm just going to leave it there because politics is not my thing um what's it like down there in terms of the covids and the um precautions and things like that yeah, so it's interesting because uh, the Wild West is the exact words that uh, the gentleman that I had dinner with used last night. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, they so everywhere I go, uh, basically, I'm, I'm seeing signs. If you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear masks. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of masks kicking around. Um, you know, I it was one other person when I was checking into the hotel who had a mask on as like I did. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's a really mixed bag. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Florida has done particularly well through all of this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I just, I think people, I, I think if people are careful, then uh, they're doing okay. Uh, but everyone I have met, um, luckily enough, has been uh, has been vaccinated, or at least they're telling me they are. Um, and uh, lots of uh, lots of people kicking around the race anyway um, have been triple vaxxed, so they've had their booster uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so you know, I think. Uh, it seems like anyway, the people who are kicking around and involved in the race are, are very serious about that, about about all of the uh, COVID precautions, etc. Because it's a year on, isn't it, since obviously we were talking about this. Um, yeah, well, it's, it, like a year ago, people thought I was out of my mind to come down to uh, what was then Challenge Daytona and the PTO 2020 Championship. Um and, uh, you know, everyone around the site was masked up. And um, I don't think there were any positive uh, cases from that event. Um, then Ch- uh, Challenge Miami, uh, you know, of course, Andy Haug test positive either the day before or the day of the race. The day before it must have been. Yeah. Um, so didn't get to didn't get to compete. So, um, you know, I think for the most part, there hasn't been a lot of positive cases at events uh you know there were three from the american crew at the at uh, the collins cup um i think there was uh, uh the brazilian uh oh I, I think it was brazil but don't hold me to that one of the south american countries i think some of their juniors uh tested positive in edmonton but um for the most part you haven't seen a lot of positive tests come out of racing I don't believe like any, and if people, if I'm wrong, please let me know because I would love to write that story. (laughs) So Kevin at triathlonmagazine.ca, if I am wrong, please let me know because I would uh, love to follow up on that. But don't subscribe him to things he doesn't want to be subscribed to, please. (laughs) Hey, um, interesting, the the talk of the world record kind of got a little bit... uh, over the course of the last couple of uh, well, week, um, seems like there seems to be less people sort of mentioning world records uh, about the the effort that Blumenfeld put in. Um, and you were saying we we're just chatting about this prior to jumping on. Uh, it seems to have been moved on the the or erased. So, um, uh, Robin Campbell, who uh, is um, uh, Tamara Jewett's mom, um, and so obviously a little biased, um, reached out to me and said, hey, what's the scoop? Um, how come uh, Tamara's run record? So Tamara ran 73 at Augusta, 73 minutes and change in Augusta um, earlier this year. We put her on the cover of our November magazine from it uh, because of that amazing run performance. She um, uh, couldn't quite catch Ellie Salthouse, so Australia ended up winning on the day, um, but uh, which I'm sure will make you very happy. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, Tamara, you know, ran to within a minute of Ellie after coming off the bike, I think like eight minutes down or something. Um, so, you know, we were all excited about that only to have the PTO take all of the times from Augusta off their record list because there was a down, down river street, uh, down river swim. Um, and so that's why, you know, with, with, uh, Christian's record in Cozumel, I just assumed they weren't going to, um, to include that. And she reached out to me and said, Hey, how come Tamara's record doesn't stand? But, you know, Christian stuff is all over the site. Um, and I looked and there it was, you know, on, on the record. So I reached out to, uh, Torsten, um, Torsten Rade, who, uh, you know, does the amazing try rating website and, uh, and also, um, does all of the stats for the PTO. And he was like, Oh, totally forgot to take that off and changed it all. But Robin and I are both trying to figure out like, okay, so the, you know, the stats guy has taken those times off because Cozumel had a down current swim. Um, but the PTO did a, you know, an Instagram post you know, saying, hey, congratulations, Christian Blumenfeld, world record holder. So we're kind of like, what's going on here? So this is something I am working to uh, to follow up on and uh, do a story on over the next couple of days because, um, yeah, like everyone seems to be considering this a, a world best. But, yeah, I just... I don't know how to do it with the uh, with the swim. So according to the PTO, anyway, the uh, fastest full distance is still back to uh, or is back to Jan Ferdano's um, uh, time from the Tri Battle Royale. Yes, as it should be, because that's what it was. Downhill swim doesn't count. Um, uh, a couple of things. A quick update on our man Harry Young. We featured him two episodes ago. Great story. About to race. Ironman Western Australia um, for his first pro race. Well, it seems that Omicron, Omicron, it's kind of sounds like a villain. I feel like it's villainous, um, has meant that the Republic of Western Australia has shut their borders again. So the Republic of Western Australia shut their borders, which means Harry got stranded in South Australia and couldn't make the leap west to Western Australia. So he is officially out of the race, Um, which is a huge, in the scheme of things, yes, I know, right? I get it. It's not the, uh, it's not life shattering. It's not life ending. It's not, you know, but, you know, in a young bloke who's trying to get his first start and start a new career, it's like someone saying to you, hey, here's a job. But you can start it. Well, no, you can't. Now you can start it again. Well, no, you can't. Well, now you just want to go, man, can I just get this thing kicked off? Um, so he's, yeah, he's, uh, I spoke to him quickly during the week. Uh, he's not overly wrapped about it. And at some point, the Republic of Western Australia is going to have to join the rest of this country um, and join us in understanding that COVID is something you have to live with. You can't be COVID zero. It doesn't, just, you can't be. Nowhere can be COVID zero unless you are a small dot somewhere. Um, but that's where we are. And so I reached out to Ironman for comment. I'm waiting back for those guys um, who I know are very busy coming into this race week. But, yeah, it's a shame that Young Blight didn't get a start. Um, it is. And, yeah, you know, it's, oh, I, I feel obviously uh, for Harry, uh, the other guy that I felt really bad for was uh, Bradley Weiss. 
uh, Bradley Weiss, maybe, um, yep. uh, from South Africa, who uh, won't be in Maui to try and defend his title this weekend. And, um, you know, uh, they, I, I, it's so interesting. I did a little bit of looking around, and, and most of the experts are kind of saying that these travel bans um, really don't make a lot of sense. Um, and, and it's especially frustrating for the folks in South Africa because, you know, there's six African countries that have the travel bans from there. Uh, but there's now, uh, I think it's over 15 countries in Europe uh, that have found the Omicron variant. Um, they've now decided that uh, the Omicron uh, variant was in South Africa, or sorry, was in Europe before they discovered it in South Africa. Um, and so the South Africans are kind of saying, well, why aren't I don't we don't see bans from uh, Belgium and, and the other countries that have um, that have seen this variant. So why on earth are we being singled out? And um, I get it. Like, I, I don't. Yeah, it's um, it's very frustrating to see that that sort of uh, the way that all plays out. So uh, yeah. I do feel for all of those guys. Yeah, uh, I mean, for sure. Like guys like Weiss too, or whoever. I mean, if you're in your form and you're, you know, these are the windows these guys have to be professional and to do their job. Um, and you know, I get it if he's coming over there with a bag of Omicron and he's, you know, like if he's full of it, I get it, right? But if they go over there and they test negative and blah blah blah, like Jesus, just you know, start to give a little bit. And the government in Western Australia need to really, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing, but I. I, in my humble opinion, he's shooting for something he's never going to get. Um, and not only that, releasing, you know, when COVID gets into the population, maybe he's waiting for vaccine rates, but it just seems a bit knee-jerky. Uh, other things to chat about, um, I, I'm interested in this. Whenever something great happens in a sport, now I'm going to be – this is going to come with a whole lot of precursors. Um but whenever anything great ever happens in sport, the first thing that people say is, oh, what are they on? You know, the one thing you don't hear about a lot with triathlon is those sorts of comments. Um, and I just wanted your opinion, Kevin, about what you think. This, And again, this, is, this could take a whole podcast of its own. But where are we in terms – are we naive to think? Now, this is not aimed at anyone. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying anything because I have no information and I have zero interest in getting sued. Um, but what do we think in general about drugs in triathlon, performance enhancing, um, in age groupers and in pros? Um, are we being naive? Are we not doing enough or is it – pretty much just a cleaner environment Whew. uh yeah it's always a touchy one um i think we would be naive to think that there is not stuff happening yep um uh for sure and um the I, no i don't think we're doing enough especially i don't think we're doing enough in the uh on the age group front um and um yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely out there, right? Um, is it as bad as it was? Um, like, you know, I think we'd be really naive to think that um, when stuff was really rampant in uh, in the cycling world that there wasn't sort of equivalent 
stuff happening in try like the sports are very similar actually it probably makes more sense um you know and, and i make no pretenses at being any kind of expert on the drug front but from what i can see the big advantage um is recovery right like the big advantage is being able to bounce back and and do insane crazy workouts day after day after day after day yeah. um and so you know what better sport to be able to have that happen than triathlon so um you know and it's it really interesting even in um you know i i don't know if you followed any of the stuff i've done a few stories and i believe he finishes his big feet uh tomorrow right rate ratisep the estonian who's over in in um uh fortaventura one of the canary islands he's doing 60 days of basically an Ironman distance race, full distance, um, you know, doing the swim in the, in the pool at Playitas, um, doing the bike and then the run. And one of the things, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence, did 101. So how good is this guy? Well, you know, he's only, only doing 60. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, he's doing his, he's averaging under 11 hours um, per event. Um, he's averaged uh, below, I think he's down to 314 for his marathons, um, for all of these things. Like he's going insanely fast and he's also following water rules. So he's not having IVs to, to help him bounce back, um, uh, after, after the effort. So like, it's you know, just amazing what all he's doing. So even, you know, even something like that, you know, just interesting to see how the water protocols, um, can be a factor. So, um, yeah, you know, think it's out there and yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I hate to, last thing I want to do is point names and, no, no, and yeah. all this. This is not an, at anything current. I, I think, and my, and I've long held this opinion. Um, I think part of the reason we see less of it in, and again, I'm like you, I don't, I'm not sitting there going, oh, triathlon's so clean and squeaky. It's not. It's, it's just not. No pro sport anywhere. I mean, you you could find professional, who knows what, you know, someone professionally somewhere around the world in every single sport is doing something they shouldn't. Uh, and that's just the competitive nature of life and, and prize money and, and fame and glory and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. I always think, too, that because triathlon's so poorly paid uh, and – as I know, is that the performance-enhancing drugs in a proper program is not exactly cheap. So, you know, it, it seems like it would be harder to do because um, uh, you don't have the, the finances. Big cycling teams and and pro riders and things like that, they're, they're paid like superstars. Whereas, you know, while it's getting better, the pro triathlete guy probably not but then there's the argument to say that the young up-and-comers are probably also you know in, in cycling or in other sports as well it might be getting on it or got on it more and they didn't have a lot of money but it's about access and programs and things like that so i think that we're naive to think kevin that it's squeaky clean it's certainly not and again i'm not naming this anyone i'm just just you just don't see a lot of it you know um but what i do think i think the pro age grouper has more to answer for than the pro pro that's my opinion. Certainly. Um, you know, there are, you know, lots of quote unquote anti-aging doctors 
um, here in North America who are happy to provide you with um, uh, with uh, EPO and uh, growth hormone and all kinds of stuff, you know, in the interests of quote of of looking good, right? Yeah. Um, and um, you know, certainly there's um, I have heard of folks who you know basically uh, you know they they get their tests from the doc they find out exactly how they can get their levels to exactly the minimum um, that's allowed. Um, and, you know, so in their minds, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not cheating because all I'm doing is topping up to the maximum allowable level. But, um, you know, that's still cheating. Like as soon as you take the drugs, you're, you're, you're cheating. Right. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, the thing is that it's not like it hasn't been found. So, no, I think, uh, have I reported, I think it's three, uh, three Russian triathletes um, that um, have been given uh, three, two or, or three or four year suspensions, I guess three, because they um, didn't fight things. So they got a year taken off the four year ban. So, um, you know, Igor Polyansky and uh, Alexander Bryukankov, I have no idea how to pronounce that one. Um, you know, they were both tested, um, you know, tested positive this year. So, yeah, it, like it's not like we're not catching people. No. So, well, we are, um, but it's it's not. I mean, again, and with you know Russia's checkered history in this in doping, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're the only ones. I mean, that's kind of a bit of a uh, you know big, big deal kind of situation. I think the pro age group, the 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 Uber age grouper who's got um, runs a successful company, for example, and can take hours off to train and has got all the money in the world, um, they're more likely to, I reckon, dope because they will get not as rigorously tested. Um, they yep. can run a proper program. They've got the money to finance. They don't have the worry of a door knock. Um, and I know uh, in previous editions of races i'm going to speak carefully here that there were probably a couple of uh people um not in my country but i knew of a couple of others in others that were probably into something they might not have been normally can i say that so it does happen um i also i'm i'm crazy on bike doping too i reckon bike doping's everywhere um I'm yet to be convinced of that because uh, in terms of seeing it in practice, but I, I have this deep, dark conspiracy theory that bike doping is prevalent in triathlon because no one checks shit. You can walk into any transition area and no one does anything. Yeah, you know, so for me, it's interesting, the bike doping, I am really, I am not sold that that is a huge issue. I feel like that is almost a smokescreen that, that, um, that federations and everyone have jumped on because it's so much easier to check for than um you know regular doping yeah um and, and so everyone's like oh you know hey we're doing this great job on bike doping like have you have you met most triathletes like the first thing they do is pick up a person's bike right so um like they're not putting an extra two pounds of a battery in anything um you know, it just, it, I just don't see that as being as as uh, prevalent as as people kind of make out. And I feel like, as I said, I feel like it, it's a smokescreen of, 
oh, you know, we've we've now picked up these special x-ray machines and we're x-raying everyone's bike. Well, no, let's put that money into, you know, doing 20 more tests of age groupers at races. Yeah. Um, and it would be my suggestion because I just don't, yeah, I just, I, and I am once again, 100% happy to be wrong on this and, and let me know if you have, uh, you know, some insight on something because uh, yeah, it would make for a great story. But oh, wouldn't it? And I, mean, I hope I, someone gets busted at your race because then you can take photos and video and show me and see how this works. Because I'm curious. Um, I think it does. Though. I think it. I think it. it and it's not widespread, but I reckon there's someone who you know. Oh, there's for sure somebody who's doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I just don't. You know, I, I don't see it being. Um, this huge prevalent thing. I, I think there are many more um, people doing EPO, um, doing HGH, uh, doing blood transfusions. Um, I think there are way more people doing that stuff than there are people adding motors to their bikes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd like to have a motor in my bike because the way, you know, the, Every time I ride the bunch ride, sometimes I get dropped at the moment because I'm not too fit. So it'd be nice to have that. Um, I'd need extra legs. I, um, where do you stand on this sub seven, sub eight project? I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in two minds. Funnily enough, um, part of me wants to scream at it and just go bullshit, right? And that's just you know that's that's the knee jerk reaction that I that I that I have been known to make on most things. Um, the other thing is the second part of me thinks, well, you know, we are breaking ground where I struggle with this. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is a project called sub seven, sub eight. Um, there's a Phoenix foundation who run it. And essentially what happens is they're going to get, uh, a couple of stars and try and do the Ironman distance in sub seven and sub eight for the men's target wanting to go sub seven. And the women's target wanting to go sub eight because, of course, they recognize Chrissy Wellington's Roth uh, as an 818 as the fastest. And they recognize, funnily enough, Jan Fredino's uh, 727. Now, here's the rub. They're going to go through and do the swim. They're going to go and do the ride and they're going to do the run. But there are pacemakers or drafters uh, or, um, as they go through the course. So they have a pacemaker for the swim and they can have um, they can be paced around the swim. There's no limit to how they can draft, et cetera. And then on the bike, they can be paced by other riders. There's no limit to how they can draft off these riders and the selections, the tool, uh, total size and roles of each bike pacemaking group is solely at the discretion of the racing athlete. Now, they've bagged a couple of good ones here in terms of the athletes. There's some big talent who've signed up for this, obviously for a wad of cash. The run's the same. They get paced as well. What gets me on this one, though, is the bike. And I'm not 100% sure whether, you know, getting paced on the bike is in the true spirit of an Ironman race, unless you're in Barcelona or one of those races. See what I did there. Um I'm that's my only sticking point on it. 
I mean, you knock yourself out, you get pace. Because if you're racing an Ironman, Kevin, if you're going to do the swim, you're going to get people around you. And if you're going to do the marathon, people are going to be around you as well. So, you know, that's not really illegal. I see the bike as a sticking point. Question in two parts to you. What do you reckon about all this? And then what do you reckon of my summary of the bike area? Um, so I think, um, as per usual, you need to take a big step back, take I a deep breath. I just thought I breath. did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was me um, being moderate. Take, um, yeah, well, absolutely. It was very even for you. There was no swearing. There was, you know, I, that was, that was very good. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> You're making some headway. Um, but d- dude, like, this is just like the sub two project that Nike did, right? Nike, yeah. Nike. Yeah. Um, however you want to pronounce it. Um, uh, and so that's all this is. Um, so, and I think really important that you you get the athletes' names out there. So you've got Mr. Blumenfeld, Christian Blumenfeld, Alistair Brownlee on the men's side. You've got Lucy Charles Barkley. And um, uh, who is our... Oh, good grief. Alarm, an alarm going. Up. Wake up, Kevin. Um, wake up, Kevin. Um, and who am I trying to think of? We've got uh, Olympic gold medalist. Um, help me out on who is the uh, women's ch- uh, other woman. Racing. Oh, sorry, You've, um, uh, Lucy Charles, and is it Spirig? Is she in? Is she in what the other woman from Switzerland? Yeah, Spirig and Lucy Charles Barclay. Oh, Lucy Spirig. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry, not Lucy. Um, Nicholas Spirig. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, big names doing all of this, and it's all just like, can they do, can they go under the time? But it's so it was really marathon running like- different though, Kevin. Marathon running, you you can be surrounded by 30 guys at any given time or 30 women at any given time running at whatever, whether they're pacing or not. If I was to go and race, again, this is kind of coming back to the, you know, the uh, tri battle, you know, is it in the spirit of what we want if they're getting drafted on the bike. Yeah. Now tri battle, they, they, okay. Yeah. Tri battle, they did not draft, but they did, you know, there's motorcycles that could give them their, their, um, uh, nutrition, et cetera. So they weren't having to slow down at aid stations. Um, so again, you know, I wonder why on earth are we counting that record? Um, so anyway, what, but coming back to, to the sub seven, sub eight, um, yeah, like this is, I don't think anyone's making any pretenses that this will be, or they shouldn't be anyway, saying that this will be a world best or a world record or anything like that. This is just, can someone do it? And that was the whole goal of the sub two was, can someone go under two hours? And of course, for Nike, it was, can someone go under two hours in our super shoe? And then we can say that, you know, people, people run under two hour marathons because of our shoes. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was fascinating when the last time I talked to Lucy Charles Barkley about this, um, you know, she said, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out the best plan of attack for the bike. Like, are you better on a road bike, um, sitting in a pack, um, and getting pulled along so that you're, you know, you're not bent over as much and able to run better. Um, so yeah, like I, I think there, this is going to be, this is going to be cool but I think we have to look at this as being very different to uh, a regular full distance triathlon effort. Um, this is just, can you, can you do it? Can you go under? And I, and I think, you know, Lucy Charles Barkley, um, 
probably doesn't need a whole heck of a lot of help on the swim, uh, but we'll take it. Uh, and then sitting in sitting in a group, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she can get very close to that sub seven. But they they are going to have or sub eight, sorry for the women, they are going to have to fly on the bike, and that's what's going to make or break this effort. Yeah, and so you've got to so. With your theory in mind, someone like me who's sitting there going, oh, this is bullshit because it's not a real Ironman. And you, we have to separate ourselves from this as being an event that's geared towards an Ironman, don't we? We have to think about it and go, you know what? This is just seeing if a person can get the distance done in that sub seven. This is not supposed to be an Ironman race. Yes, and this is, and that's what the problem is going to be. Yeah. is that lots of people are going to come out and go, "Oh, well, this is the world record, and this is the world best." No, it's absolutely not. Um, and we we need to do a much better job of of regulating how we're going to have those those kind of times set. Um, the same way that um, marathon running does, you know, that you can't have too much of an elevation drop. I don't think you're allowed to set. Uh, world best uh, in marathons um, in uh, point to point courses either or you know they can't be too far apart so you know they have a bunch of different rules set up for how that is going to be and we need to do the same thing in triathlon um, and and coordinate all of that and and we need to look at this as this is just a fun exhibition and and all that Um, for me what is kind of more fascinating is you know how on earth does a christian blumenfeld and a lucy charles barkley fit all of this in because they they you know they want to win two world championships next year in saint george and uh in kona um lucy charles barkley will no doubt want to win a 70.3 worlds uh christian blumenfeld loves to race everything um and so how on earth do they fit this effort into it all um, and, um, so that, that's, what's going to be more fascinating to me is just where on earth they do it in their schedule and, um, and how they make it work. Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? Because you, the effort required to get this done obviously is massive to race at that level or to, you know, to try and get that sub seven and eight is also massive. Um, yeah, I don't know if they've got, um, how many they've like how many good races i mean they're lionel sanders and uh joe um skipper showed us um a ton of racing this year but that's not everybody and i agree i think there's going to be a a limit to how much you can do in a year i would hope this is not going to be uh an attempt that does put them back they obviously know what they're doing their schedules are set I'm interested. Look again, I, as an onlooker, I, I'm yeah. I I re- will remove myself from any comparisons to an Ironman race and go well. Okay, let's just have a look at this as an athletic exercise, um, and see what we can come up with. I'm not, as I said, I was in two minds. Um, it's easy to cry bullshit on something you haven't seen much of, or something you haven't yeah. seen before. So like, like the tri battle, you can call bullshit on that all day, but it was an exercise in a one on one. Like I mean, it's you know, like it's it, it was what it was. And it was covered well, and it was something that, you know, like the Collins Cup, you know, like it's it's racing and it's it's still got its roots in the sport of racing, you know, without assistance. 
even though the tri battle got some. But if you know what I mean, um, you've got to. I think with what's coming up at the moment, we've got to really start to look at things in, you know, not not as a whole, but as a subsection of the sport. Yeah, and you know, I I, I guess I, I feel like triathlon is desperately trying to figure out how to. Um, you know how we move on and how we make this a viable, uh, a viable pro endeavor, right? And that's got to be, it's got to come through views um, of, of views of pros. I'm not, you know, I, I I would love to see all of that happen. I think it's just going to be it's going to be a tough slog. Um, but this is know, the so. clickbait of the sport, right? Like this is the new clickbait yes. of this sport. Is it's fuck, watch this and it's going to be awesome. You're going to see fast, you know. It's like watching, you know, in Australia here with that 2020 cricket and things like that where they just chop down a bullshitly boring five-day game and they go, you've got an hour each, go, you know, and you've just got it like home runs. They've got to hit as much as they can hit, you know, in, in a game of that cricket game. And people go to it. Like they flock to it in their thousands because it's condensed, it's small, it's fast, it's over and done with. They've got flashing lights and music and kids get involved and it's just a very, very sharp formula um, for that brand of boring, which cricket is boring, you know. Um, it's a sucky game with dudes spend five days standing around in white pants rubbing a ball in themselves. It's just a weird-ass game. Anyway, the point I'm saying is that this what is it. What do you really think? Oh, man. That's what you really think about cricket. Cricket and me are not friends at all. Not friends. I never understood it. I don't understand it. It's just stupid. Um I don't understand why they wear white pants all the time. Like they just get grass, get dirty. Um, <laughs> wear green pants. Um, uh, so yeah, like I, I'm with you, and, and so for me, uh, the analogy or the thing I was I keep thinking of is uh, you know Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs. Um, you know, I'm I'm sadly old enough to remember actually watching that match um, way back when, and you know I think that did a lot for. Um, kind of women's tennis uh sort of getting out there and or not well yeah just the getting the uh getting people watching uh something watching tennis in some way shape or form yeah um so yeah you know maybe there's more of this kind of stuff will will help the collins cup the uh tri battle royale uh very interesting to me that zwift has come on board with the sub seven sub eight project as well you know um well they that, see uh, it clearly the market is for them right clearly they can see you can play along at home or you do something that you know connects to their market but and that really and that's what we're saying i think kevin we're actually in agreement here is that this is a marketing drive it's a you know it's a it's eye candy you know it's not it's going to be the four very good athletes trying to get this done you know it's it's just a marketable exercise i'm oh look i'm interested to see what happens I think there are some good people involved. The the other thing that I'm finding interesting that you haven't brought up yet um, is, you know, uh, yes, this is uh, Phoenix Project. They're, um, you know, they're sort of a charity that is the the sponsor, main sponsor behind it. But the organizing group is MANA, which is um, which is your, um, you know, good old Chris McCormick. Yeah. Uh, out of Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, he's basically the guy behind. Um, the Super League triathlon. Um, he has he's really big in these sorts of endeavors. 
Um, because and, he's, uh, he's seen it work, right? He's seen yeah. Super League work as a as a young guy. He saw Super League work in Australia, and it was massive. It was just rebadged. You know, he's smart enough to capitalize. And I think we I think we all agree his product is good. The Super League product is good. Um, this is the same. I mean, you know, like I said, it's holding our interest. We've had 20 minutes talking about it. It's holding interest, right? It's going to have people talking. It's going to have, you know, his, um, his project is going to get more momentum as they get closer to kicking it out. And, you know, they can run a range of stuff on it. They've got four positive big names there as well who are going to, you know, beat the crap out of it on social media and everything else. And it is, it's a, it's a vehicle for them to drive whatever they need to drive. So, yeah, I mean, and, and we know Macca's, you know, he's not, he's not a deal. He's not anybody who's just going to find someone to throw money at this for, for no reason. There's something around what he's up to. And there's certainly, um, you know, a commercial driver for this as well, because he's uh, very switched into to what it takes and what it costs to, to run. And, and there's some good people in this project as well. And, yeah, I mean, you know, eye candy, sure. I'll watch it. I'll see it. I'll be interested to see what happens. Um, is it as pure as anything? Of course not. But then, you know, we are, you know, far past that area of, you know, it must be pure triathlon. So one place one, so that we'll... If I could, one last thing on sure. that. Um, it was uh, Try247 um, interviewed uh, Christian Blumenfeld on this. and. I saw um, that. <laughs> so one of his pacemakers for the run, Gustav Eden, supposedly. So, um, so not only like even even you know a world seventy point three champion is jumping on board as a pacer in this sucker. Uh, so that'll be very cool. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's just the hell they roll those lads. They're uh, they're all into it. Hey, another thing that's going really well. Um, I've been giving this some thought. As I travel the gravel, um, there's 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 a scary thing right there. I know, you know. Think about the way that sports marketed these days, right? Like the the big sports of the world, you know, NFL, NBA, um, Premier League, soccer, um, or you know, you look at Serie A, which is the Italian version, or um, was that the Spanish version? It's one of those. Um, you know, you look at the soccer leagues around the world; they all have something in common: golf tennis surfing they all have something in common and that is is that they park at a venue and they watch from that venue i've just bought uh australian open tickets for the tennis because i don't even like tennis but i like going in that environment i like to be in that environment um i like wandering How around you not like tennis Oh, I don't love it. I, look, I don't look. I don't. I don't follow it during the year i couldn't tell you who's world number one at the moment but i do know that when it comes to melbourne I go every year and I go and I wander around the outside courts and I just, I just wander around. It's really, it's, I love listening to all the different accents and the, just seeing anybody do anything good. And, you know, even the, the crappy tennis players, supposedly crappy inverted commas in the Australian open are still badasses. Um, it's just a fun day, but it's all enclosed, right? It's all enclosed NBA. It's in a court NFL. It's on a gridiron. You know, Australian rules football gets 90,000 on a Friday night in a ground. Daytona, in a ground, right? In an area, in an enclosed place. The idea of these venues that are um, becoming, you know, raceway venues that are becoming um, uh, places to run triathlon, et cetera, there's real merit in that. There's real, um, I think there's really good foresight in that, in that a venue 
like that, two things. A, people are comfortable with it because they've been going to venues their whole life to watch other sports. And, and the second part is that they can see a lot of things without having to, um, you know, spend a day running around everywhere. And that's important, I think, if you want a captured audience live there. Kevin, you've been to Daytona. You know the area very well. You get out before the race with a broom and just make sure it's looking a million bucks. Um, tell That's me, am I me. am I crazy? And and what are you thinking about this um, arena type of activity? Yeah, so uh, you are bang on in terms of the the concept, um, and it's interesting that uh, it almost began or the the whole stadium concept literally began as an accident. So the first year of the race, uh, there was a monstrous storm that rolled on through uh, through Daytona. Um, and uh, so during the age group race, um, I, I literally had to go on the microphone and say to people, um, please execute your own evacuation policy or own you know, plan or whatever. Um, basically, get off the course. There's um, a monstrous storm coming through, and that sounds really no safe. Um, it was the weirdest thing to ever, I've ever had to announce. <clears throat> and so, the pros like they had to delay the pro start forever and ever and ever. And you know, the pros were all basically in this. In it's a really cool. Uh, it was this cool kind of lounge um, that they had set up because they're they're really big in setting everything up uh, the same way it would be for the NASCAR drivers. So. Um, you know, the original concept was every pro was going to have their own garage uh, to do their warm-ups <laughs> and everything. They didn't quite, they haven't quite pulled that through yet, but that was one of the concepts thrown out. But um, so, uh, and the pros all kind of got together and said, well, look, you know, we've got to do, there, there's going to be a window later today when the, when the weather will be okay, but it'll be a shortened window why on earth don't we just do a race around here, around this track? Um, and so that's what they did, you know, and they did a shortened uh, version of the race and um, and everything was just done around the racetrack and it was really cool. And everyone went, that's a great idea. We should continue to do that. So that's how this this sort of thing developed. And, and yeah, you're bang on. It's just, I'm just not... I'm still struggling and I hope that I'm wrong, but I just don't know that um, for most people, triathlon is that much of a spectator sport. It is for you and I, like you and I just love this and love, you know, but we're willing to watch the Tour de France from start to finish at times too, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so we are not, we're not the, the goal audience. And so, um, you know, the, the sad thing for me uh, when I'm working at this event is I look up at a 120,000 uh, seat stadium that is completely empty as <laughs> you know, some of the best people in the world are ripping around. And I'm like, it would be so cool if, if this thing was full, you know? Um, and, uh, so, you know, the, and most of the spectators are literally out on the course, like they're just, you know, standing right by the track and, and watching all of this stuff happen. So, but it's still got its merit uh, though, surely. I mean, wait I mean, they might not want to Sorry? sit there. I mean, we're never going to get a hundred thousand people to watch a race, but 
think about solar, uh, the solar climb on uh, Roth, or you think about um, you know bigger venues. That maybe that if it, if it is and you get the right people, in other words, the right athletes, then you have somewhat of a draw card. Is it no? Is it going to be you know people aren't going to be rocking up wearing Gustav Eden t-shirts? You know they're not. That's not where we're at with this sport. It's never going to happen. But I understand the idea of containment and the you know and building off that. Um, there's something to that. I, I I'm not 100% convinced as well whether it, it's long term, but I certainly think it's worth a shot at getting people to you know to sit and and to watch something um, that's in yeah. a contained space. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I think if this was all happening over in Europe, I think you would get a ton of people sitting in those stands. Uh, you know, because I I'm you know I've been to Roth, I've been to Austria. Um, you know, Ironman Austria, they, they, that finish line area, it's like a city they set up. It is unbelievable. It's jam-packed and, and, and the noise, like so much noise, uh, the, the crowd just goes crazy all afternoon and evening watching the finishers come on through. Um, yeah, and I, I, you know, I've been up Solarberg. Um, like it, it's crazy, all the people that, that come out to watch. So, yeah, like I could totally see 60, 100,000 people um, if this was happening over in Europe. Yeah. Um, and, um, so yeah, it's, it's just, I, I, I'm, I, I hope that we can get to that point. Um, it's, I think it's just, it's going to be hard work, but you know what, this is what, um, this is what the PTO, they're willing to do that hard work. Um, you know, my hat goes off to them. Um, and Bill Christie, the, you know, the guy behind Clash, um, and, you know, he's got a great crew that he's that he's got uh, working for him on these events. Um, and so the vision is there and, and that's what it takes to, to build this stuff up. So I really, really hope that um, that we're on our way to seeing that. It just, yeah, it's going to be a tough slog. I think anything in this sport's a tough slog. I think you've got to try what you can uh, in order to see what sort of appetite you have for it. Um, you know, and like the PTO the other day releasing numbers of those who watched, um, you know, the Battle Royale or the Collins Cup, one of those Collins Cup. Collins Cup. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'd be keen to understand more about that. I didn't get too deep into it, but, you know, what was their viewership, whether it was unique and what were the unique numbers versus the, you know, the person who clocked in and out four times in the in the space of the coverage. Um you know, yeah. that would be interesting as well because then you start to get a gauge then the metrics with digital coverage is that you obviously get a really clear gauge of what's happening um, and you can see what held people's interest, what races held their interest and those sorts of things. You can do a fairly deep dive into this. And, um, the you know, if it's not being watched online, then the next best thing is um, obviously, you know, the other thing with a, a contained venue is that you can provide a better coverage. Because you're not having to go yeah, for, absolutely. you know, and it is, and that's what people want. I mean, you can't watch the PGA, you know, or the NBA, and then flick over to you know amateur hour Ironman. Like it's, it's, it looks shitty. It, it doesn't do the brand any good, and you know it's just not a good experience. And if it's not a good experience for the user, then they're not coming back. Then if it's laggy, crappy production, shitty commentators, no one's got an idea what they're doing. No one's coming back. Or if they are, they're doing it reluctantly, and they'll either mute you or you know I don't know what. But if the product's not good because of what we see in the world of sport, then, you know, I guess people are, are, are going to think twice before switching in um, or switching. Yeah. In. And it's, it's, it's funny that it's almost sounds like you and I are hearkening back to the, 
to the days where you waited a month to see the NBC Iron Man show, which, you know, with the, the great music and the fantastic... Yeah, like the yeah the great voices and you know and one of the highlights of my career was uh, the year I got to write you know the write the stuff for that show. It was just so cool to be part of that that whole deal. Um, And well, I'm the guy I had dinner with last night, 18 time Emmy Award winner um, Peter Henning, the the guy who produced that show, and uh, you know I think they won Iron Man. Like he he was part of eight of their. 14 or 15 Emmy awards. Um, so it was just amazing that, but it took a month after the fact to get everything together, you know, yeah. like to, to make it that exciting and, and it's hard to do on the fly. Um, and, you know, and you've talked about this very well, many times, I I'm sad to have to admit, uh, but the, the Olympics, you know, that that's why we're seeing, skateboarding at the Olympics and stuff you know they're they're trying to go to um to stuff that can be packaged in short uh short spurts on the fly right yeah um that's what's popular well it's our swipe lifestyle right I've got to be able to consume it quickly and I'm, I'm like you I used to love the NBC stuff and Peter Henning is is just a genius you know I I had um I was lucky enough to get a beer or two with him in, in Bustleton one year. Um, and you shut up. When he's in the room, you just pipe down and you listen to him. You just don't say a word. You know, you let him go because he's – anything you have done in your life will pale to the, that man. He's just an absolute um, ridiculously experienced uh, and talented guy. But Legend. He, in, legend in, is the best way to put yeah, it. Yeah, he is. And you throw that people throw that tag around. The guy is a living legend. The stuff that he's done, whether it was uh, 60 minutes in Afghanistan, you know, in the 70s, whether it was on the back of the bike recording Laurent Fignon uh and uh Le Mans duel in 89, the Tour de France, you know, he's seen it all. The guy has seen well, it all. Arctic, Arctic expeditions, uh uh won a whole pile of Emmys for uh his coverage of the Iditarod. Um, and Do you know- uh, get this 80 years old and is working on a uh, documentary right now about Alaska. He'll probably be really upset that I just said his age, um, <laughs> but uh, working on a documentary on Alaska. He was in Alaska for four months shooting and directing yeah. uh, this summer. The guy is unbelievable. Did, was you the one who told me the story about how it might have been you? Um, who said that he was before GoPros and before that sort of stuff, they wanted to film the downhill skiing at the Olympics. And so yep. they suspended him below a helicopter with a camera and ran him down the run. Is that right? That, that was him. Yeah. Like they, they wanted to, yeah, they couldn't figure out how they could give people the impression of what it's like to go down um, the, <laughs> the ski hill over in, in, uh, Austria at uh, 120 miles an hour. So yeah, they just, suspended him from a rope in a helicopter and he like just flew down a few feet over the course um yeah we i we could do and we should do an entire uh, episode yeah, we need to get on, him on and just shut up and he can talk yeah yeah <laughs> very quickly we are uh we're getting probably to a point um who do you like for the weekend give me some names uh, well, yeah, I can't wait to see how Christian Blumenfeld's legs are after his Cozumel experience. Like, uh, so he's he's sort of the big name, um, 
and uh, the big name in um, Daytona this weekend. Um, and it's really interesting there that uh, to me, the uh, where's that the race that's happening down in California, Indian Wells La Quinta. Yes. Um, so you know, Lionel has been like he's won this race uh, twice um, here in Daytona. Um, and uh, so I was really expecting to see him in this field. And uh, I, I, you know, I wonder if he just got sick of taking on Nor speedy Norwegians, um, like after taking on uh, Gustav Eden in Florida, um, decided that he wanted to go somewhere else rather than take on Blumenfeld. Um, but it's not like Lionel Sanders to duck anyone. So yeah. I, I don't think that's the case. But, uh, you know, I was, he's, he's also the defending champion, La Quinta, uh, Indian Wells La Quinta. So, you know. He's he's over there, and he's taking on a couple of. Um, he's got uh, uh, who's he got? Uh, Vincent Louis in that race, um, and Hella Geens, I, I think, making his middle like a uh, middle distance debut. Yeah. Um, so that one's going to be fun to see. So I'm jumping back and forth. There's some very interesting racing going to be happening in both of these spots. Um, uh, Daytona and Indian Wells La Quinta. Hmm. I love it. I love it. And the way that you said it too, it was, you know, it's pretty good. And, uh, I, do I get to do a Canadian call out? Um, sure. uh, Tamara Jewett, um, goes in as the, you know, sort of top ranked woman, uh, in, um, Indian Wells La Quinta this weekend. So, uh, be fun to see. And then we've got another, sort of Olympic distance draft legal specialist from Canada, Dominika Jamnicki, uh, making her half distance debut um, in that race as well. So um, now I think Dominika is going to struggle on the bike. Um, I think that's going to be the, the tough one for her uh, to sort of work up to that kind of distance, but it'll be fun to see anyway. Yeah, it's certainly uh, going to be a good one. And look, We'll be looking forward to uh, getting your down and dirty um, opinions on uh, how it all unfolded. And firsthand, you can uh, give us a look at uh, the newly, nearly minted world champion, uh, world sorry, world record holder, uh, and see how his legs pulled up on. <laughs> we just decided that isn't a world record. Come uh, on, get with the program. Yeah, exactly. You and I run the triathlon world. We all know that. Kevin, as per usual, you can be found at the Glorious Triathlon Magazine Canada. I can be found at Phil Rockner. We can be both found somewhere on Twitter as well, Make Attack Dad, as well as uh, Life of Try on Instagram. You want to help us out, tell your friends, uh, give us a listen and uh, tell someone about us. That would be really good. Whatever you're doing, hopefully you've enjoyed this hour. If you've been running or riding or just sitting around with the cucumber patches on your eye, uh, we appreciate you and we appreciate you listening to us. Kevin, Happy trails. Good luck in Daytona. And uh, we will chat to you in uh, a few days' time. Thanks so much, Phil. Great chatting as always. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.